Hey, everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to, to our, our Odd Pod podcast. A podcast dedicated to the odd, the macabre, and everything else in between. And everything in between, including just but not an hour's do. worth of troubleshooting for something <laughs> else to go wrong. That's, that's life right now, I think. Yeah. But you know what? At least got it working a little bit. Yeah, it's and if you're working. listening to this on Friday, that means we fixed it. Yeah, if you're listening to this on Friday, problem solved. And if you're not, if well, you're listening to this some other day Saturday. of the weekend, yeah, <laughs> some other day of the weekend, then sorry about the late episode. Yeah, we do what we can. Yep. Uh, so yeah, real um, quick before I forget, mm-hmm. um, if you would so graciously. Rate us on iTunes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was like, where is she going? Where like, she going? subscribe, follow. I don't know. Download. Yeah, download. Yeah. If you will rate us on iTunes, uh, iTunes is a big platform people use for podcasting. We got some great reviews on there so far, <laughs> and it's just really helpful, you know? Yeah. Those five stars and those reviews. Um, if you don't use iTunes, uh, you can find us pretty much anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, and we have a link tree, linktr.ee slash OOPP. And as always, you can find us on our website, www.ouroddpodpodcast.com. Right. So we got that out of the way. Now we don't have to do it at the end. Yeah. Because I always forget. And our endings are, I don't know, they start Chaotic. out strong and then they just devolve into insanity just mumbling over and over and over and over and over and over pretty much much like i do through most of my episodes but same (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i know you know what we're talking about today i do know what we're talking about and i wish i wouldn't do this to myself because i was like i'm gonna pick an easy episode with places that i can understand Mm -hmm. uh Places I can pronounce. Yep. Instead, we're going to Russia. And then we go straight to Russia. We're going to Russia. Which is arguably like... The worst place I could go because maybe. there's Ks involved. and That maybe don't sound like that. Yeah. It's like a whole different alphabet. Yeah. So, side note, because it is in Russia and I don't speak Russian or you, English, really, um, I've allotted or allowed myself to just not say some of these names. I'm here for it. So... Bear with me. Yeah. Okay. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> just, just just keep on fake it. Even if you don't know, just make up the best pronunciation that you can. Well, luckily for us, the first name is going to be Igor. But give me like eight more. It's Igor. Oh, dear. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. So in January of... 1959, a 23-year-old radio engineering student named Igor Dyatlov uh, formed a group for a skiing hiking expedition. With me so far? So were they skiing or hiking? What? Oops. Were they skiing or hiking? It's both. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Igor was a student at the Ural Polytechnic Institute, and on his expedition, he brought with him nine others. Many of these were his peers, and I'm pretty sure one of them was a teacher. Fraternization. I, I think I read that somewhere, but it's possible that they were all students. Um, maybe they're like a teacher's aide or something. Yeah, maybe something like that, or like a graduate. Anyway, Either way, they're all like irrelevant. Similar in age doesn't really quite matter. Yeah. Um, altogether, there were eight men and two women. All of these were, um, all of these people were experienced grade two hikers. Um, how many grades of hiking are there? Three. Okay, so they were pretty good. Yeah, we're about to actually get into that. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, they were grade two hikers with ski tour experience. Is, um, and when they had returned from their expedition, they were going to be certified, like grade three certified. Oh, so they were going out. Yeah. Did they have a grade three with them? No, they were all like experienced grade two hikers. Okay. And when they returned, they were going to get their grade three certification. And just like, it seems weird. Like, what's to keep them from just going to a nice cabin and staying there and coming back and be like, yeah, we totally, uh, we totally kicked ass out there. Probably Siberia. I don't know. All right. Maybe. (laughs) Um, 
So this is important because at the time, grade three certification was like the highest you could go. And in order to get that grade three certification, you had to um, like travel 300 kilometers or like 190 miles. Now, did it have to be through the frozen fucking tundra of Siberia or? Well, I assume if it's going to be for like skiing, you might want there to be snow. Oh, okay. But I don't think it needs to necessarily be like peak February snow. I'm just curious because like it's grade three hiking, not grade three skiing, right? Well, ski and hiking. Oh, okay. I'm just, I was curious what was to keep someone from just walking up and down their road for 300 kilometers and being like, well. Well, you know what? You do have a point there. Did it. They had planned to um, ski over 200 miles over like 16 days. Mm-hmm. And like that's where they were going to get their 190 miles of like skiing slash hiking. Right. Certification in. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Excuse me. Obviously, these people are like rather experienced because I know if I walk for more than 30 minutes anywhere... I need a snack and some water. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> I got winded waking you up this morning. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. You can hear me at work if I leave the headset on, just like huffing and puffing, trying to lift up a gallon of milk. That's how I feel if I have the headphones on when we're recording. <laughs> like, I can just hear my mouth breathing. Just trying to take a sip of water quietly. Or sometimes, every now and then when I'm editing, I can hear, like, you're talking about something and you can just hear me going, <sighs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. I was like, somebody get this man, God, like a ventilator. Seriously. <laughs> Put this man on some oxygen, shit. <laughs> so, the expedition hike was approved by the city route commission, because apparently that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the route was designed by Diallo's group to reach the far northern regions of the Verdolosk sure. Oblast. Yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. Nailed it. Um, did you say the Verdolosk Obelisk? Sure did. Okay. That's not how it's pronounced, but that's how I'm going to pronounce it. But is it an obelisk that they were going to see? It's an obelisk. Oh, okay. Sorry. I think it's just- like, Is there some mysterious stone structure? That... The mysterious stone we structure must, is the mountain. We must pay homage to the obelisk. <laughs> Sacrifice. Um, they were also going to the upper streams of the Lazva River. Yeah. Totally a thing. One. Yep. Um, the Committee of Physical Culture and Sports confirmed a group of 10 people on January 8th, 1959. Um, and the goal of the expedi- expedition was to reach the Torton Orton Mountain. The Randy Orton Mountain. Yes. Sure. Yeah, totally. Um, which is a mountain that is 10 kilometers north or 6.2 miles north of the site where the incident occurred. So they didn't quite make it to their destination. Just Okay. And now, um, I, I'm sorry. I just have to interrupt really quick because I'm about to say something that's going to make everything make more sense. Okay. You know how they had to file with the city or whatever? Mm-hmm. And then the Department of Physical Activities or whatever? This is the Soviet Union. Yeah. So, like, obviously they have all these, like, Official sounding, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the route that they like were taking was an estimated to be a Category Three hike. Oh, so, so like sustainable winds of over like a hundred miles per hour, ish. Probably not ideally, but you know, it is what it is. What it is. Um, I do want to point out that the what was that? <laughs> Nothing. It is what it is what it is. It is what it is what it is. And that's what it Put do. Put that on a t-shirt. And that's what it do. That's what it do. So um, I don't remember the name of the mountain that they're on because mm-hmm. it was too difficult for me to pronounce. And like, let's be honest, I butcher the simplest of English language. Right. Um, But the mountain that they were climbing was known to like the indigenous people in that area mm-hmm. as Dead Mountain. Dead mountain. So, because people go up, but they don't come down. It's not a weeble wobble. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mount Weeble Wobble. Mount Weeble Wobble. So, deep in the mountainy crags of Mount Weeble Wobble, they encountered their doom. <laughs> yes. 
ready for me to keep going? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Can't you tell by my facial expression? <laughs> There's a twinkle in your eye that is frightening me. I just, you know what? I'm just, I've always been very interested in the history of Mount Weeble Wobble. <laughs> um, so, okay, so later that month in January of 1959, on the 23rd, the group was issued their route book, which listed their course and was approved for 11 people. Okay. Um, the 11th person was a seaman, Zolotaryov. Okay. Nailed it. Um, who Love was it. previously he was previously um, certified to go with another expedition of similar difficulty, but for some reason didn't go on that one. Mm-hmm. So he was just kind of tagging along on this other one. Okay. Um, and then the group would leave that day. This um, that they received their route book, route okay. route book, route route whatever. whatever. Um, so I'm gonna name. The other people in the group. Mind you, they're all Russian. Okay. And are they? Yes. Are we sure they're all Russian? All their names are, and I am scared. Okay, let's let's do it. Okay, so there is Igor Dyatlov. Igor. Igor. I'm just uh, Yuri Doroshenko. Doroshenko? Yeah. Clutch. Uh, Ludmilia Dabina. That's the that's a lady, Udmilia. Yes. Okay, Georgi Kreskaskinko, Georgi. Georgi. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful name. Yeah, I have a really good friend named Georgi. Oh, I'm sorry, Georgi. I am one hundred percent trash. Um, Alexander Kolitvitov. No help there. Okay. I don't know. I can't. I can't. I couldn't picture how that one was spelled in my mind. First name, Alexander. Boom. Uh, nailed it. Nailed it. Strong Next. Russian name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is Zenadia Kolomagrovo. Kolomagrovo's over. <laughs> Rustam Slobodin. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. Well, <laughs> What was his name? I'm not going to say it. Please. I need it. Rustin Slobloblin. Slobloblin. Rustin Slobloblin. I will not guarantee that I'll ever pronounce it the same way twice. Just like the dirtiest Russian sex move. (laughs) You know what? I always heard that they were a freak, and then they asked me to try the Rustin Slobloblin. Nikolai uh, Tivo Brignels. Okay. Simon Alexander Zolotaryva. Okay, so it's kind of like Simon. Yeah. I was I was like, why did they? I was thinking he was like a Navy guy. I'm like, why did they have his title in there? Not anyone else. <laughs> Simon. He's like, can I join you guys and just hike back to my boat? I don't. It's somewhere. Okay, my, and then my it. favorite name is uh, Yuri Yudin. Yuri Yudin. It sounds like a Street Fighter 2 move, doesn't it? You're a Uden. <laughs> it does. Anyway, so hopefully I won't have to say their names very much because apparently that was rough. <laughs> I think you did great. Did I? Yeah. It wasn't like the hysterical laughing at the end there. Okay, first of all, the com- I. it wasn't my decision to give him the combination of Rustin and whatever the last thing was. Rustum Slobodin. Rustum Slobodin. That's hilarious. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, the, <laughs> the trip starts off as normal. They arrive at their first destination in the early hours of January 25th. They take a truck to the last inhabited settlement where they purchase um, some food, you know, just to like keep their energy levels up. And on January 27th, they begin their trek up the trail. Trek up the trail. And we're starting our trek up the trail. All that's. They're skiing, you know, they're doing their thing. Having a good time. Probably throwing snowballs, respectfully. Respectfully throwing snowballs. They they had like a permit for like nine snowballs. They're returning their snowball back to the proper place. Yeah. Um, So the next day on the 28th, Yuri Yudin turns back because he actually suffers from like several health issues. Yuri Yudin. (laughs) 
Um, he had like rheumatism, arthritis, co uh, congenital heart defect, as well as like bad knees. Jesus Christ. It, why? Yeah, I was reading that and I was like, bro. You knew that before you started, right? Like, so why? Like, he starts skiing and he's like, you know what? I think I suddenly have congestive you know, heart failure and rheumatoid arthritis. My uh, my knees are hurting. I'm going to turn back now. My knees are hurting and I think my lungs are filling up with fluid. So <laughs> I'm just going to yeah, tip so on out. The remaining hikers continue on with like no problem. All in all, it seems like the trip's going pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, but after this, we can only really leave it up to like speculation mm -hmm. because Yuri Yudin is the last one alive from that group. He survived. He He lives. For a little while, until his multiple health problems took him. Until like the seventies, like he's oh. fine. Damn, Yuri! <laughs> so that Street Fighter. <laughs> um. So after this, it's left up to speculation. There are diaries and cameras that were found around the last camp uh, site. Ooh, like the Blair Witch. Roughly. Only real. without the witch in the woods and snot you bubbles. You don't know what happened. No. The diaries and stuff you could kind of track like where they went or like the route they had taken uh -huh. so on january 31st the group arrived at the edge of a highland area that began to and like they began to prepare to climb mm -hmm. they cached a surplus of food and equipment for the trip back so like they were planning on coming back and um the next day the group begins to move through the pass which i guess is like a a ridge and then a slope and then like you go up okay that's the best i could like sure accumulate in my mind anyway fair enough um so it seemed like the plan was to get over the pass and make camp on the opposite side okay but they encountered a snowstorm that they weren't expecting because you know weather does that weather thing you know weather do be weathering um yeah um so their visibility decreased because you know snow I'm pretty, um, I think there's like a picture of of them during one of the storms and like you can barely see the person in the yeah. front. Do you remember like Mount Everest at the IMAX? No. Okay, well. We did fly Alaska at the IMAX. Oh, I feel like I got the better end of the stick here. Well, maybe. Well, they go through know. like a snowstorm and like Mount Everest and like you can't fucking see shit. Whoa, such language. <laughs> <laughs> on this wholesome podcast. Sorry, Jesus. He has left the chat. He left the chat last couple couple of episodes while, yeah. ago. It's been a while. Um, so they seem to have like lost their direction and deviated west. Okay. Um, when they realized their mistake, the group decided to set up camp on the slope of a mountain rather than moving less than a mile downhill to the forested area that would probably have offered some shelter from the weather. Um, you good, didn't. Good choice. Yeah. No. It's. I feel like the last place you want to be during a snowstorm is on the slope of a mountain. Fair, yeah. I'm going to use my woman-sized brain and just gather that. I'm just saying. Um, so, Yudin speculated that Doug at Love uh, probably did not want to lose the altitude that they had gained or he decided to practice camping on a mountain slope. Good timing. All right, Igor. Maybe... Not the best time right now to practice you know camping on a slope. We don't know that that directly caused anything. We don't, but like I said, speculation. There might have been like some instances where it's like okay to, you know, go camping on the slope of a mountain. But I feel like when you're like in the middle of a snowstorm, you're just asking for like a, an avalanche to come and take you down. Yeah. And then I was listening to Ludacris when I wrote this. So I wrote, get back, Avalanche. You don't know me like that. <laughs> this is where my brain goes. I don't see how you listen to music with words in it when you're doing things. Well, you can see I... I uh, it it just like, gets a little I'll, all crazy in there. I'll listen to the words and not do anything. <laughs> Anyways. Get back, Avalanche. You don't know me like that. It rhymed better in my head, but I'm, okay. I'm still appreciating it. I still like it. Um, so before Diatlov and friends left, they agreed to send a telegram to their sports club as soon as they returned to their base camp, mm -hmm. like, you know, where they started. Yeah. 
They were expected to return no later than February 12th because spring semester was coming. Got to be at school. Well, they were in school. I know. So you got to be back for school. Yeah. So um, Dietlov told Yudin. 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 That he had, he like, he expected to take longer than the 12th, I guess. Mm -hmm. So when the 12th came and went, there wasn't a whole lot of concern that they weren't back yet. Because Yudin was like, yeah, he told me they would probably be later than the 12th. That's exactly what and he everybody's said. everybody's like, oh, da, da, da. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with, like, you know, I guess I can understand that delays happen when you're hiking. But they're in, like, the, the wilderness. Tundra. Maybe, like, it's a little bit of concern. Yeah. Um. So a whole eight days later, on February 20th, the traveler's relatives started to get, like, worried. And, you know, like, for good reason, because... This was eight days later? After the 12th. So they've okay. been gone at, like, for, like, three weeks at this point. Okay. Nobody's heard from them in, yeah, about three weeks. Okay. Um, so the traveler's families demanded a search and rescue mission be held, and the head of the institute that they attended sent the first rescue group. This consisted of volunteer students and teachers, and later the army and the police became involved probably to make it seem like they were doing something instead of sitting on their asses. The police and the army ordered helicopters and planes to join the search and rescue team. So that's exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Um, on February 26, it was the unfortunate discovery of the group's abandoned and badly damaged tent. Um, the discovery of the tent left the search party confused. One of the students said, or the student who discovered the tent said that the tent was half torn down, covered in snow, it was empty, and all of the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. The tent had been cut open from the inside, and nine sets of boots, uh, sorry, nine sets of footprints had been left by people wearing only socks or a single shoe or even barefoot. So okay. basically, there was like nine pairs of boots still inside the tent, mm -hmm. which means... So they were all in one tent? That's what it looks like. Like it was a big tent. Oh. Stop it. Um, I see what's going on here. <laughs> um, so you could follow the footprints, kind of like led down to the edge of the woods nearby um, and to the opposite pass. Okay. Um, so I don't know how they were able to follow the tracks that were covered by snow, but I'm not a expert in that field, so yeah, I'm going to let enough. them have that. Yeah, sure. So Let them have it. <laughs> The tracks led them to the forest edge, roughly a mile away, basically where they should have set up camp to begin with. Yes. Underneath a large spruce pine tree. Spruce. The searchers found the visible remains of a small fire and two bodies. Those bodies belonged to Yuri Doreshkino. Sure. What did you say the first time? Uh, I don't remember. God damn it. Um, and George. Georgi. Georgi. Sorry, my man. Um, they were both shoeless and dressed only in their long john underwear. Oh. Yeah. So the branches of the trees were broken up to five meters high with traces of human skin on them. And that would suggest that one of the skiers had climbed up it, either looking for something or hiding from something. I added that in because, you know. Yeah. Or this um, maybe they were just trying to tear branches down for their fire. Ooh, I didn't even think about that. Okay, cool. Um, so, between the pine tree and the camp, the search party found three more corpses. Uh, Igor Dyatlov, Zenadia, and our friend Rustam Slobodin. <laughs> That's not funny. He's dead. I mean, he can be dead and still have a funny name. They had died in poses, suggesting that they were attempting to return to the tent. Um, they were found at distances around 1,000 feet, 1,500 feet, and 2,000 feet, give or take, from the original spruce tree that they had found, the original two bodies. Okay. Obviously, wanting to get to the bottom of things, they started investigating what happened after the first five bodies were found, probably thinking it was some kind of freak accidents, and those five bodies had signs of, like, hypothermia. Obviously. Yeah, so um, it was concluded that while... Rustum had sustained a small scrap or a small crack in his skull. It was not considered to be like a fatal wound. The medical examination found no injuries that might have led to death, and it was concluded that they had all died from hypothermia, like I just said. Okay. Now, 
the remaining four that we're looking for, they had to wait like two months for the snow to melt. Yeah. Unfortunately. After they found the rest of the bodies, that narrative of it was an accident kind of like shifted. Three of the hikers did in fact have fatal in- injuries. And real quick, I want to go over all the remainder hikers' in- like injuries. Okay. Um, Nikolai Thibault had major skull damage. Lud- Ludmilia and C- Simon <laughs> had major chest fractures. Okay. Um, it's said that their injuries required a force comparable to a car crash mm-hmm. and that neither bodies had any external wounds associated with the bone fractures like you would have received if you had been subjected to levels of pressure that high. Okay. So they didn't really have any like soft tissue damage, like bruising on their chest, but both of their chest cavities were pretty much caved in. Okay, that's weird. Yes. Um, all four bodies... They were found at the bottom of like a ravine creek thingy okay. down by the river. They did have soft tissue damage to their like head and face, but relatively for the injuries that it looked like they had received, there wasn't like all that soft tissue damage that you'd think that you would get. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Nikolai Thibault had multiple fractures to his temple bone, a busted lip, and a broken arm. And I read somewhere or listened somewhere that they had ruled out that it wasn't like a, um, he didn't fall on it and break it. See, I was just sitting here thinking like, maybe they just fell in the ravine. Yeah. From what I understand from like reading and like listening to other people, they said that like they ruled it out because it was such like a serious break that it wasn't like a, um, it wasn't like an accident. Okay. So like he would have had to like either fall in a large distance to break his arm or like something happened to it yeah um ludmilia was found with the most clothing and she also had like the most insane injuries okay are you ready i'm ready okay hers are kind of intense all right let's hear it Lay but it she on wasn't me. in the tent i got you but it's, they were out tents they were out the tents yeah um she was missing her eyes both eyes both gone. eyes she had no eyes um her nose was completely broken and totally flat. broken. Flat nose. Flat nose. Flat nose, no eyes. Flat nose, no eyes. Got it. Her entire upper lip was missing. Gone. Gone. Um, as well as fragments of her skull and her tongue had been ripped out. Mm. She had 10 broken ribs, four on one side, six on the other. And in a couple of places, I saw that the contents of her stomach contained as much as 100 grams of coagulated blood. And do you know what that means? Uh, the blood sat there for a while? No. She was alive. When she sustained at least some of these injuries. Right. Probably her tongue getting ripped out at least because she swallowed a bunch of blood. Yes. Okay. Ooh. That's terrifying. That's awful. Um, and the official cause of her death was uh, eternal bleeding from her heart due to a severe chest trauma. But remember, she didn't have any like soft tissue damage on her chest. Right. That's crazy about her eyes. Everything else I could say like maybe she fell and bit her tongue off. But, but like then her, her lip tongue was wasn't like sitting next to her. Maybe some it was gone. Birds got it or something. Okay. Right. Demon birds eating I mean, tongues. Tongue eating. Birds will eat her eyeballs. Russia. Yeah, but like, this is like the tundra. I'm sure I they have like. birds, right? Tundra birds. You got it. Like maybe some Siberian ravens or something. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Siberian ravens. They got ravens in cold weather. Watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, Simon. Or Simon, uh, his eyeballs were also missing. Missing eyeballs. And he also had 10 cracked ribs, um, five on either side. Okay. Um, Alice Skander was missing his eyebrows and appeared that to have- That seems a, weird. Yeah. Um, he appeared to have a neck injury and a broken nose. Okay. And all of these last four were noted to have like a relatively orange skin and gray hair. Which could be contributed to radiation, but I would also like to point out that it can also be explained by the natural process of mummification after three months of like exposure to cold and wind. Yeah. I mean, are there high levels of radiation where they were found? They did have levels of radiation on the last four. That's weird. Yeah. And not on the other ones. And not on the first five. Okay. So... That's a little sus. That's why, like, whenever they found the last four, the narrative of, like, it being, like, a freak accident started to change. 
Mm-hmm. So we can't really go into like too much about what actually happened because we just don't know. Yeah. Like we have like autopsies and like evidence from like pictures that they had taken, but some of those cameras, they have not released like the photos. I'm like, why? Yeah, that's why weird. haven't they released the photos? That's why radiation and they won't release the photos of the little sus. So like what really happened? I'm pretty sure though in the last decade they've reopened that case. They did reopen it and I'm not going to cover that just because it's like a lot to get into. But yeah, it's probably ended the same like we don't really know. They attribute this whole thing to like either an avalanche or a couple of types of avalanches like either like a regular avalanche or a slope avalanche or um I read that they thought maybe that some of the indig- indigenous people. Yeah, the Mensi people. And yeah. we're going to touch on that in like just a second. Okay. Okay. So, like I just said, there's a lot of speculation. And I'm here to add to it. That's speculation with a K because it's Russia. Right. Definitely. So, on, actually, this is like fairly recent. 2011. 2020. Oh. On July 11th, 2020, Audrey Kirakova. Sure. Yep. Um, she Kirakova? Is... No, I think I said it right. Okay. I'm, I'm feeling fairly confident in that. Kirakakov. Kirakakov. Okay. Um, deputy of the Urals Federal District announced that an avalanche was to be the cause of death for the Dyatlov group in 1959. Later, an independent computer simulation and analyst by Switch Research also suggested avalanche as the cause. Although, or rather, um, an American skeptic author, Benjamin Radford, suggests that an avalanche was also plausible. Like, mm-hmm. it, that's probably what happened. It was an avalanche. I mean, that's one thing that will definitely make you run butt naked out of your tent in the snow. <laughs> Without, like... um. Yeah, you hear an avalanche. But also, like, there was a... Like, the... The residue of like a fire between those two bodies. I don't think you do that if there's an avalanche coming. Well, once you if you clear the avalanche and then you you realize fuck it's cold we're gonna die. True, but like we're gonna get into it. Like the tent didn't look like there was an avalanche. Okay. Anyway, so Benjamin Radford suggests like this next quote. Okay. Um, the group woke up in a panic. They cut their way out of their tent either because an avalanche had covered the entrance to their tent or because they were scared that an avalanche was imminent. Better to have potentially repairable slit in the tent than risk being buried alive in it under a ton of snow. They were poorly clothed because they had been sleeping. Again, you're like in the middle of the tundra. I don't know how much like clothes you're taking off, but whatever. There's like nine people in a tent. It's probably a lot of body heat. I mean, true. And then they ran to safety of the nearby woods where trees would help to like slow the oncoming snow. In the darkness of the night, they got separated into two or three groups. One group made a fire, hence the burned some of them had like burn clothes, which I didn't mention before, but some of them had burn clothes. Okay. Um, while others tried to return to the tent to recover their clothing since the danger had passed. But it was too cold and they all froze to death before they could locate their tent in the darkness. At some point, some of the clothes may have been recovered or swapped from the dead. But at any rate, the group of four whose bodies was most severely damaged were caught in an avalanche and buried under four feet of snow or four meters of snow. It's like 13 feet. Right. Um, they said that the snow would have been enough pressure to like cave in those two, those two chest cavity uh-huh. without like serious damage to it. So, I mean, like, I guess. And that, that makes um, sense. Like a heavy weight sitting on it wouldn't cause like the bruising soft tissue that damage that you would think from getting like hit with a baseball bat or something being slowly crushed or you know beaten by a hairy snow monster (laughs) um and then that the girls whose tongue went missing was probably likely removed from scavengers but she would have had to have been alive for the blood to make it down to her stomach i think maybe that's what that's what the the report that i read kind of like suggested that she had been alive when her tongue was removed. Okay. So, ooh. So let me counteract the argument that I just made. Okay. Um, the location of the incident did not have any obvious signs of an avalanche having taken place. Okay. Um, an avalanche would have left certain patterns and debris distributed over a wide area. They said that um, there was like a, a ski pole 
on the mountain somewhere and that it was still sticking straight up. And if there had been an avalanche, it probably would have been knocked down. Stands to reason. Um, bodies found within the month of the event were covered with like a very shallow layer of snow. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there had been an avalanche that, of sufficient strength, they would have been like buried deeper. Deeper. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Words are hard. And there also would have been like damage to the tree line and there wasn't. That's fair. Um, a study of the area using up-to-date terrain-related physics revealed that the location was entirely unlikely for such an avalanche to have occurred. The dangerous conditions found in a nearby area with um, that had significantly steeper slopes was observed in April and May, where the snowfalls of the winter were melting. During February, when the incident occurred, there were no such conditions. Okay. So probably not an avalanche. Probably not an avalanche. I still think they could have maybe, for whatever reason, thought there was an avalanche that was happening. That's true. And bolted into the snow and just died. And just got like fucked up. Died. There's fucking bears, I'm pretty sure. I have no idea. I didn't look up to see what kind of animals Um, were up there. I don't know for a fact. But I'm pretty sure there are bears, right? There's bears everywhere, right? Siberian bears. That's I not mean, a thing. It seems polar like bears? Maybe there are polar bears in Siberia, which are fucking terrifying like hunters. Yeah. <laughs> also, that Dyatlov was an experienced skier, and so was um, Alex Gander. And neither of these two men would have been likely to camp anywhere near the path of like a potential avalanche. And then the footprints leading away from the tent were inconsistent with someone running in a panic. But I would also argue that like. How do you track footprints that have been there for a month? I, you know what? They could have frozen. Yeah, maybe. Like the bottom layer where the footprints were could be hard from like a, a freeze. And then the top layer is just like. Oh, I didn't think about that. Fresh, soft snow. I don't understand snow. Like we had ice down here and the whole world shut down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> also, there are polar bears in Siberia. Oh, good. Oh. And I'm also pretty sure there are tigers. Oh my. Yeah, now we just need some lions. I think there are tigers. I'm going to have to look that up. I swear. I swear to you. I don't know why. I just I feel like the white tigers, right, you have are been from on the tigers for a while. Okay, it's not necessarily white, but there is a Siberian tiger. Okay. Native to the Russian Far East. Northeast China and possibly North Korea. Oh, interesting. Anyway, I'm tired of talking about avalanches. It's a regular tiger, though. Look at him. Oh, he's cute. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No more. A- Oops. No more avalanches. Talk, talk avalanches. Okay. Let's talk about good stuff. Avalanches aren't odd. Infrasound. What? Infrasound. Okay. Infrasound. Going back to our ghost hunting episode. What do okay. you remember? Uh, it's good to know that you listen. We know that uh, sounds can fuck you up. Did we talk about that on the ghost hunting episode? We absolutely did. That sounds can like mess with you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, one oh, pop- yeah, we did. We sure did. I was uh-huh. like, Jesus. Not even my own husband listens to me. It's been, this is our 25th episode, okay? And, nope. No excuses. So, there's a popular... I can't even remember my lunch in the evenings. How am I supposed to remember something that happened three episodes <laughs> ago? One popular hypothesis by Donnie Eclair. Mm. It's not Eclair. Donnie Eclair from um, the New Hampshire Eclairs. <laughs> uh, is that when going around the mountain would create a Carmen Vortex. Carmen Vortex. Um, which produces an infrasound capable of inducing panic attacks in humans. Oh, shit. In theory, the infrasound generated by the wind as it passed over the top of the mountain was responsible for causing physical discomfort and mental distress in the hikers. Donnie claims that because of their panic, the hikers were driven to leave their tent by whatever means necessary. Because, okay. you know, we're freaking out. Yeah. Um, and they fled down the slope. By the time they were further down the hill, they would have been out of the infrasound's path and would have regained their composure. But in the darkness of the night, Too late. people will find you. Anyway, um, in the darkness of the night, they would have been unable to return to their shelter because you can't see shit. 
The traumatic injuries suffered by the three victims were the result of them stumbling over the edge of a ravine into the darkness and landing on the rocks at the bottom. Whoa. Sounds familiar. Why did you wink at me? I don't know. Why not? <laughs> I do what I want. Um, I kind of like that theory. Now, is infrasound a for real, like an actually proven thing that exists? Or is it like a theoretical thing? I was not asked to look up facts on theories. <laughs> because. I was just asked to present theories as using facts. Using our episode on ghost hunting as an example does not a strong argument create in my mind. We can agree that sound. Sound can make you uncomfortable. Okay. So I would be Even inclined like, to believe that a particular sound can induce panic attacks in humans. It's true though, like certain uh, choices in sound and even like certain cuts when you're editing videos can make like watchers uncomfortable. We like we talked about that in the Exorcist yeah. episode where they would add in like that one fifteenth of a second clip just to make people like uncomfortable yeah yeah so i am inclined to believe you know that what? that's possible a yeah. certain sound could have freaked out these um hikers and just like sent them on their merry way mm. and like one thing led to another and they got fucked up that's why you don't have which panic is a panic attacks good reason why you should never go hiking death by panic attack <laughs> The polar panic attack. A polar panic attack. That sucks. If that is actually what happened, that fucking blows. I mean, We're, it sucks anyway because nine people died. But like, can you imagine you freaking out so bad you run out into the darkness, like the freezing darkness, and then once you're out of range, you're, you're like, like, oh, uh, that was weird. Oh, shit. Well, fuck. Yeah. So uh, this being the Soviet Union in 1959. Mm -hmm. um, there's like a speculation of like military testing gone wrong. I mean, there like there is radiation and some tiny stink of a potential cover up. So maybe tiny stink of a potential cover up or like huge fart. Yeah, the campsite that they were camping at because that's what a campsite is that, fell within traditionally. The pack. That is what you do at a campsite, right? What am I thinking of when I write my notes? Like honestly, it's okay. Ludicrous. Yeah. This is why you shouldn't listen to Ludacris. Anyway, um, so <laughs> the campsite fell within the path of a Soviet parachute mine exercise. This theory alleges that the hikers were woken up by loud explosions, fled the tent in a shoeless panic because A, were being bombed. Yes. Um, and then found themselves unable to return for, like, to return. Really? Right. Mm -hmm. After some members froze to death, attempting to endure the bombardment, um, Others commandeered their clothing only to be fatally injured by subsequent parachute mines, like concussions. Uh-huh. Because some of them did have like head injuries. And there are indeed records of like parachute mines being like tested by the Soviet military. And also like if you aren't caught in the blast of an explosion, it's just like if you're just caught in the pressure area, yeah. it will cause internal damage with little like exterior damage. Which is like what we found. Yeah. So um the parachute mines detonate in the air rather than like on the ground. Mm -hmm. So there wouldn't have been like yeah. ground damage. It's like a concussive thing. Yeah, it's like the pressure shift fucks shit up. Yeah, so like I didn't know that. So it's crazy. It's fun. I learned something and that's all that really matters here you on our what? odd pod. On our odd pod podcast. It's not the story. It's the like, journey along the way. It's the journey. We like to nurture a journey of learning. And chaos through the speakings of military through, tactics and ludicrous learning red light chaos. district album. Ludicrous, whose name is Chris. Is it? Clever, yeah, I'm oh. pretty sure. Because oh. oh. he's Ludicrous. Ludicrous. Okay, well. Get it? Ludicrous, if you're listening, email me. Ludicrous, we'll if you're listening, have you heard of our Patreon? <laughs> <laughs> so. What we my literally my next sentence what we just said. What, Ludacris's uh, name is Chris. No, I doubt that. Heavy internal damage <laughs> with relatively little external trauma. Holla! Look at you. Look at your boy knowing things. Also, this theory coincides with reported sightings of glowing orange orbs floating or falling in the sky in like that general vicinity by other hikers. 
What does that look for? <laughs> I was trying. I was going to say something like funny about aliens, but then I decided that it would just be more impactful to just stare at you awkwardly. <laughs> and I was right. <laughs> um, a similar theory alleges the testing of radiological weapons and is based partly on the discovery of radioactivity on some of the clothing as well as like the descriptions of the bodies being orange mm -hmm. um, and the gray hair. So radioactive dispersal would have affected all. Okay, sorry. What is that look for? <laughs> I'm glad we don't like video record these. I'm just messing with you. Go on. Because I would be freaking out right now. It is also almost 12 o'clock. I know. So radioactive dispersal would have affected all of the bodies rather than just um yeah just the, the one few yeah yeah like i said before this could also be explained by the natural process of mummification due to three months of exposure and to the cold and wind right the initial suppression by the soviet authorities of files describing the group's disappearance is sometimes mentioned as evidence of a cover-up mm -hmm. um, but the concealment of information about domestic incidents was standard procedure at the time in the ussr and thus far from peculiar peculiar um, and by the late 1980s all of dyatlov's files had been released in some manner so cover up or not cover up i mean like it's the USSR, they were even if it didn't need to be covered up, they were probably like, let's just cover it up just in case. <laughs> I do want to mention paradoxical undressing. Paradoxical undressing. Do you know what that is? I do not. Really? Yeah. Oh my God, I know something that you don't know. Oh my God, tell I me. I know something that you don't know. Tell okay, me what so. it is now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is undisputed that six of the nine hikers' deaths were caused by hypothermia. Undisputed. Undisputed. Strong word. Um, a Without dispute. A symptom of hypothermia is paradoxical undressing, which is when a subject is experiencing hypothermia, your body kind of like tricks yourself into thinking that you're burning up. Okay. And so you take off your clothes. Yeah. Because you're hot now. Mm-hmm. But instead you're dying. Right. I would like to argue that others in that group appear to have like taken clothes off of the dead, yeah, and like put them on themselves, making me believe that they were at least at least some of them were of sound mind to make decisions to add more layers to themselves. Yeah, I think probably not every person who has hypothermia or dies of hypothermia experiences paradoxical undressing. No, it's it's like only like twenty eight percent, but. Or, you know what, maybe they were smart. I don't know if the two guys that made the fire were naked. But if, I would argue that if, but if three, you have wet clothes if on. three people of the 10 group, group of 10, that's 30%. Yeah, no, I'm just saying like, I'm just saying that if the two guys who had the fire were naked, yeah, it's probably because their clothes were wet. And if you have wet. a fire and your clothes are wet, it's probably best to just be naked. Fair. Um, other theories about what happened are um, they were attacked by the Mansi or a local tribesman, um, but the local tribesmen were known to be peaceful and there's no evidence of anyone approaching the tent and also that the tent was cut from the inside. Yeah. Not the outside. Alternate theory, they were attacked by the Mansis and that's why the lady had so much blood in her stomach. It's the minstrels. Yeah. I like that theory. They got ex... Yeah, go for it. I, I'm, I can't. <laughs> we'll work on that. They got minstricuted. Um, <laughs> they were attacked and chased by animal wildlife. Mm-hmm, polar bears. However, there are no animal tracks, and it is unlikely that they would have left the relative security of the tent. Although, if you are being attacked by a polar bear, I assume that you would run from the tent, so. Alternate theory. One of them was infected by an alien shape-shifting parasite, and they cut their way out of the tent when they made this discovery to get away from it. You got me there. Um, and some people say it's still out there. Just real quick. I got a couple more it to get It might be through. Kurt Russell. <laughs> real quick. Uh -huh. um, it is possible that high winds blew a member away and others attempted to a rescue mission. However, 
this is an experienced group. They would not have acted this way. Right. Um, and it is argued that if the wind was strong enough to blow away a person, it would have also been strong enough to blow away a tent, which was also found intact. Maybe. So, um, another theory is the possible Yeti attack. Yeti attack. Which I'm not going to go into. We're going to do a mini-sode on the Yeti. I have written a mini-sode about the Yeti. And you can find that in our Patreon. On our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Patreon. Like how I did that? I did. It's a nice Seamless. little segue. Yeah. All right. Um, but just to finish this up real quick, mm-hmm. um, if the diet, diet love, I spent the whole episode saying diet love. I know. And how am I struggling with it right now? That's a if the dial-up, conundrum, really. <laughs> Every time. The diet love. Yeah. If the diet love past incident has shown anything, is that closure will be elusive. Even a definite judgment is unlikely to quell speculation. In Russia, conspiracy theories are an essential part of daily life. Yes. And oh. that's all I have. Oh, okay. I think it also teaches us that you shouldn't follow your friend into a mountain pass occupied by yetis. Duh. Duh. I hope I did that story justice. I, I think feel you like did. I just rambled on for like an hour. But I feel I think we both always feel like that every time we finish an episode. I thought it was good. It was interesting. I'm glad. That um, was actually a requested episode by one of our Patreon members. Oh, really? Yes. Was it Melody? It was Melody. Melody. She just demands things of me now. It's okay, because sometimes we can't think of episodes anyway. Yeah, so this one's for you, Mel. It's for you, Melody. All right. You're like top tier uh, patron, patron, so I guess we'll take your request for episodes. <laughs> Daniel, if you want one. <laughs> yeah, Daniel. Go ahead and send one in. Holler at us. What do you want to hear us talk about? <laughs> um, okay. All right, guys. I've got nothing That's left. That's it, and we did all our advertising already. So, as always, we are are the the Boneses, Boneses, and we are out. out.